Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. Be sure to watch our services online each Sunday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. by visiting remembrancecommunity.org forward slash livestream. I hope you enjoy today's message. Well, happy Sunday, everyone. It is an honor to stand here and preach God's word to you. Um, I am really excited, and I also am really excited about the series that you're in, A Fresh Glimpse of Jesus. I have to tell you, the first time I heard it was in February when I started consulting here with RCC, and Pastor Kenny and Pastor Brittany were telling me things that they wanted this church to be known for. And as soon as they said a fresh glimpse of Jesus, my heart just leaped um, because that resonated so deeply in me. One, because I want a fresh glimpse of Jesus every day. I want to know him more. I want to know who he is. And I also want people to experience that when they interact with me. I want them to see Jesus. I want them to hear Jesus. And so it's exciting for me to talk in this series about a fresh glimpse of Jesus. And isn't it true that when we have that fresh glimpse, we'll never be the same? A little personal story for you. I had a fresh glimpse of Jesus in 2014 that changed my entire life. Little background is I am a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church. I grew up going to Sunday school, youth group. I led Bible studies. I talked about Jesus. I loved Jesus. I knew Jesus. But in 2012, I contracted a parasite when I was living in Uganda. And that parasite knocked me flat, literally. I went on medical leave and I was in constant pain. And a day in October, I will never forget, I was laying in my bed And I heard God so clearly say, Deb, I love you. And my natural instinct was to push back, but God, I'm not doing anything. I'm I'm not performing. I'm not working. I can't even walk. And God was like, no, I love you for you. And that day, the truth of God's love sank from my head to my heart. And I will never be the same because of it. It literally has changed my life. It's crazy the circumstances that God uses to get our attention and to tell us who he is and who we are. Today, we're going to read a familiar passage, and my prayer is that you have a fresh glimpse of Jesus today. So I'm going to ask you, will you be expectant today? Will you listen with ears that are wanting to hear and see Jesus in a new way? We're going to be reading from the Gospel of John. A little background about the book of John. John was written to answer the question, who is Jesus? And there are seven famous I am statements. Pastor Kenny preached on a couple um, two weeks ago. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. I want us to go back even farther to where did I am begin? And we first hear God say I am in Exodus 14. God calls Moses to free his people, the Israelites, from slavery. And they're in Egypt. And Moses is from Egypt, so that kind of makes sense. Like, why wouldn't Moses want to go home? Well, a little part of the story is that Moses had killed a man, and he was avoiding that area. So he comes with Jesus saying, I I don't think so. I I don't think I should go. And God's like, no, Moses, you're the man, and I will be with you. And again, you hear Moses' fear and anxiety and doubt being like, no, God, it's not me. It's not me. Like, what? I mean, uh, who, who do I tell them has sent me? 
And God says, Moses, you tell them, I am has sent you. I am. My personal translation of that is, I am is whatever you need or are lacking, God is. So I want you to be aware of when we hear that statement today, I am. I also want you to pay attention to the word believe. John uses the word believe 98 times in his gospel. That is three times as many as the entire New Testament combined. So he wants us to believe something. So let's pay attention to it. And then the last thing I want you to look for as we're reading is the phrase, the one. It's used a few times, but I just want you to notice what it's used for. So again, I am, believe, and the one. Before we get started, will you just pray with me? So Holy Spirit, I ask, would you come right now? Father, would you speak? Lord, I ask that your spirit is in each room, wherever we are. Would you come give us a fresh glimpse of who you are? Pray this in Jesus' name. Today we're going to read John 11, and we're actually going to read pretty much the entire passage. And I just, again, want you to be expectant and keep your eyes open to what we're reading. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, Let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, Just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again? Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered, If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble, but he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, But they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too so that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
Yes, Lord, she said to him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and he is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in a place where Martha had met him. The Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind eyes of that man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. What a story. There are so many little nuggets and amazing scenes in this story. And I just really believe that God wants to speak to each of us. So again, please be expectant. I just, I feel like the Lord really wants to speak. Um, We are going to start in verse two and three. And it's where it says, the one. Did you see it? Mary is the one who anointed Jesus with oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Lazarus is the one you love. These are their titles. Can you imagine? I mean, Mary, I love Mary. Mary is always at Jesus' feet. You can remember the story of her with Martha, right? Martha's running around the house getting ready, and Mary's just sitting listening to Jesus. Mary anoints Jesus' feet with oil. She's at his feet again. And then later on in the story, as we read, she falls at his feet. The imagery and the sweetness of their relationship is something I so desire. And then you have Lazarus. Lazarus is the one Jesus loved. But I would dare to say that his title changed after he was raised from the dead. Maybe he's the one that Jesus raised from the dead. Maybe it was a bragging right. I don't know. But it is how he is known. So it begs the question, how will you be known? The one who... What? There's one more, the one, and it's in verse 25. And it says, the one who believes in me will live. Now, this title is for anyone. That's you and me. And it comes with a promise. The one who believes 
will live, will experience life. Elsa says believe. I wonder if John's trying to teach us something here. The one who believes in me will live. So knowing how much Jesus loves Mary and Lazarus and Martha is shocking what happens in verse 6. It says he stayed where he was two more days. The Passion Translation says even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. What? (laughs) Why? He loves them. Ever felt that way? Verse 4 and verse 15 tell us why. In verse 4, it says, it is for the glory of God. Verse 15 says that you may believe. There's that word again. The Passion Translation says, for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Another opportunity. (laughs) When I read that, I laughed because that word has started to have a negative connotation. Think about work, right? Like these are the things that you're really good at. And then here's some opportunities for you to work on, right? It's another opportunity. It's another hard time. It's another delay, waiting, confusion, the off timing. And why does he do it? So that we learn to trust him to believe that he actually is the I am resurrection and life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of this world. I am healer, provider. I am. Again, I am. Whatever you need or are lacking, God is. The Lord really highlighted something to me as I was studying and praying in this passage, and that is that Jesus uses our current situations to point out who he is. Think about it. Lazarus was dead. His friends and his family, all their hopes were dead. And Jesus responds to that situation and says, I am the resurrection. I am life. We see that in John 6 too, right? The famous story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And he says, I am the bread of life. I feed you. I provide. Not only does Jesus use our circumstances, but he also interacts with our personalities in those circumstances. Take a look. So we have Martha. I love Martha. She is bold, bossy, confrontational, no nonsense, right? Like her famous story is when, you know, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha's running around the house and she gets in Jesus' face basically and is like, why aren't you telling her to help me? You know, we see here that she sends people to Jesus. She knows that he's close and she sends them and says, my brother is sick. Like she's very bold and asking Jesus, come. Remember, he waited. (laughs) And then she runs to Jesus. She's not afraid to go into his presence. And she says, and you can kind of hear the irritation, right? Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She is bold in what she says. And how often do we say that to Jesus? If you would, if you could I do it all the time. 
But that stems from doubt and fear and anxiety of not knowing and not believing who Jesus is. Martha is riled up. You know, she she states even the facts when she's with Jesus. So here, you know, she starts having this conversation. She's like, I know that there's the resurrection at the end of the day. Like, I, I know that. But she also says something that caught my attention. She said, yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. She's bold in saying, I know you can do more. But I also feel like there might be a shift. Did she start actually believing who Jesus was? And then Jesus' response to her is, Martha, I am the resurrection and life. Martha comes at Jesus in her full personality, which I have as well at times. And not only does he say, I'm the resurrection and life, but he also says more with how he responds to her. Martha, I am not afraid of your personality. I am not offended by you. But Martha, I am what you need. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the answer. A close friend of mine has this saying that rings really true to this situation. And he says, I couldn't follow God if he couldn't handle my anger. Isn't that true of the situation with Martha? God can handle it. And then we have Mary, sweet Mary, who is known to sit at Jesus' feet currently looks like she's isolating in this situation, right? She is by herself. She doesn't run out. She stays at home until she hears that Jesus has called for her. And then she runs to him. And she runs to him with the same question that Martha had, but had such a different approach. It says that she falls at Jesus' feet, sobbing. Lord, if you had been here. I know that feeling. Do you? The overwhelmed by emotion, the overwhelmed by grief feeling. And how does Jesus respond to Mary? He weeps. Our Savior cries with us. He sits with us in the emotion He's not afraid of tears. So even in this, we see him not only saying, I'm here, but I'm sad too. I'm hurting with you. I'm filled with grief too. But but Mary, I'm here. I think about this for my life. I can so much be like Mary some days and Martha the other. And as I look back at how God has responded to me, it's usually exactly what I needed to hear in that situation, in that time, with that emotion. Jesus uses our circumstances and our personalities to show us who he is. He is not afraid. He is not intimidated. He can handle anger. He can take our questions, confusions, doubts, fears, bluntness, being withdrawn. He shows us in that, that this is another opportunity for you to see who I am so that you will learn to trust me. Verse 15. 
Jesus goes with them to the gravesite and says, remove the stone. <laughs> Get ready. Make way for God to work and move. Get the blockage out of the way. They had to remove the stone. I also love how human the Bible can be. Think about it. Martha is like, whoa, 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 wait, Jesus. Four days dead, he is going to smell. Again, Jesus meets us in our humanity, but I love that he puts those little nuggets in the Bible for us to read. So Jesus walks up. The stone has been removed. And Jesus prays, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus' thanksgiving preceded the miracle, and so must ours. We must thank God before the miracle, before the answer, before the breakthrough. That's what builds our faith. This was a word so for me, and I am praying that it is for someone listening right now. We must praise and thank before even if something is still dead, even if it feels dead or seems hopeless, thank God for what he can do, believing in faith who he is, the resurrector of all things and the giver of life. God hears us. The God of the universe hears every ask, every prayer, every cry. My friend in Uganda, her name is Sarah, she said this to me one day, and I won't forget it. We were talking about unanswered prayers and my frustration, and she was asking how I was praying, and I told her, and she looked at me and said, Auntie, your prayers are so small. How big is your God? Conviction. <laughs> We all need to stand at our tombs, what they, whatever they are, and believe and thank God for who he is and what he can do. And then we will see the glory of God. Jesus walked up to the entrance and shouted, Lazarus, come out. Imagine. <laughs> the hush goes over the crowd. What did he just say? Lazarus is dead. There's an awkward silence. And then all of a sudden, you start hearing footsteps coming from within the tomb. Maybe a horrible smell joined it. We don't know. But what we do know is a dead man walked out, covered in his burial linens, alive. <laughs> this happened. It is true. This is what they make movies out of. And this is our God. This is who we worship. I mean, imagine a funeral today, right? We're at the memorial service, the casket's up front, and all of a sudden the dead man just sits up. <laughs> I mean, the shock, the wonder, the unexplainable miracle. That's who we believe in. That is who we worship. That is who we pray to. He is the resurrection and the life. I have to imagine that as Lazarus walks out, he meets eyes with Jesus. Lazarus, the one that Jesus loves. 
And Jesus, with a twinkle in his eye, says, unwrap him and let him go. Lazarus is no longer tied up. He is no longer dead. He is alive and free. Jesus raised a dead man to life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the God of miracles. Death cannot stop him and the grave cannot hold him. And he is still raising things from the dead today. It might be a marriage, relationship, a bank account, hopes, dreams, depression, anxiety, whatever it is in your life that seems dead, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He can do it. He is able. He is still working miracles and he does it today. And he does this so that we can see who he is and learn to trust him more. Each of us has an opportunity today in our lives to see who I am is. In my parasite season, God showed me I am healer. I am intentional with your pain. I am an identity giver. I am your closest friend. And I am with you. For me in this season right now, God says, Deb, I am your provider. Y'all, I am an independent contractor in a worldwide pandemic, and I have a job, and I can pay my bills. So glory to God, if we were all together, I would have you say amen. He is provider. He is leading me. I am leading you where he says, I want to go. A really personal one, I am your husband. You're not alone in that house. I'm your best friend. I'll go on that road trip with you. I'll protect you. What's your I am? What is your I am statement? I want us to do something today. It might be a little bit different, but I want us to share who God is to you right now. Good, bad, ugly, coronavirus, whatever it may be. I want you to type in the chat Who is God to you today? What is your I am statement? We need to thank him before the miracle. We need to give him glory before the miracle. We need to believe who he is and who he says that he is, is true. He's worthy of our glory. He is worthy of our praise. So let's give that to him today. Thank you for listening to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. You can find all our sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.